Well, if anybody think if we we're doing it for the first time now in the 20th, 21st century, going into the 20th, from the 20th century going into the second quarter of the 21st century, that we'd say 12 years is enough? Think 12 years is enough in the, going into 20, 30, 40, 50? We are now entering the home stretch ahead of the midterm elections. For months, political analysts have said a red wave is coming. A referendum on inflation, illegal immigration, indoctrination. How are Democrats mitigating that red wave? It's why people don't trust people like you, because you peddle false narratives. And so we disabuse you of those narratives. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this... Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the closing message for the Democrats (laughs) from the President of the United States. (laughs) Wow! I mean... Ah, welcome back to the Rosalind <laughs> program. I just, we're so blessed with content in this day and age. Yeah. It really is. It's an embarrassment of riches. It just really an is. an embarrassment of riches. Well, you know, that, you know that meme of the guy in the suit, in the yellow suit, <laughs> peering out from behind yeah, yeah, the yeah. tree, and he's, he's, rubbing, he's his hands. rubbing his hands? That's every Democrat in the country waiting to throw Joe Biden overboard after this election. Oh, I know yeah. it. There's a line around the corner. You can see them just start to, they're starting to build blocks. Yeah. They're laying bricks on yeah. getting this guy out. But I mean, to be honest, like, can you really blame him? No. Like, I mean, he, he doesn't know what year it is. This is a very basic question. Like, I, it, it, I've been told, like, if you have a concussion or you've been in, like, a severe accident, you know, the paramedics run over and they're like, okay, what year is it? Where are you? Right, yep. and I do not have confidence you can answer either of those. Questions. You know, I've I have heard that in the last week they've added another question to that routine. They're asking, "Where do you stand on fracking?" <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> have you always supported fracking, or do you oppose? I've never, I've never all always support always support fracking. <laughs> god, these guys! I can't believe we actually have to have a contest. Yeah, like this is serious. I mean, that it tells is self evident. I mean, it's just, it tells you what a what a divided country we're in in a lot of ways when just, like, the obvious fact that, like, literally the, the, the controlling party in this country that runs the House, the Senate, and the White House, they don't have a spokesperson that can finish a paragraph. I, I think that's going to be a theme going forward after this election is there's going to be a lot of hard facts Democrats have to face. Yeah. I mean, they've already seen how the economy is just wrecking them. We'll see how election day goes. Everyone needs to get out there and vote, but uh, it's going to be hideous. Yeah, we got to make it happen, right? I mean, it doesn't just happen itself. But uh, listen, we're trying to make it happen here on the Ruthless Variety program, which is why, once again, we just we're bringing banger after banger in terms of guests. Like, you know, if the person's leading the damn news, you can hear him here first. You're going to get the next governor of New York, Lee Zeldin, on the program. Outstanding. Yeah, what a great guest and a great interview. And he look, he, this is a good dude. Right. In addition to being extremely smart, incredibly hardworking, doing it for the right reasons, all those things are self-evident by how hard he's running this campaign, despite you know many many challenges, including people attacking him on on the rag. And those photos I saw of the rally he had with DeSantis. Yeah, there's seven thousand people. Wow. Right. Wow. Yeah, I mean it's just it's it's amazing. But in addition to all that, he he could just like he want to he could hang with us. I mean this guy's just fantastic. Amazing. Uh, so you listen to that interview at the end. We're going to play King of the Hill, obviously. Mm-hmm. We did think it was probably worth an explanation. I know a lot of people are clamoring for an election night live stream. And believe believe us, there's nothing we would like to do more. There is literally nothing. And, and this is like one of those things. 
it's not just the election night live stream. There is a million incredible ideas that the assembled group you're listening to right now have come up with over the last month and have not had the bandwidth to do to provide like unbelievably hilarious content and like, you know, live reactions and all kinds of different stuff. But, you know, I think part of the reason why you listen to us is that we also are involved in the game. Yep. Right. Right. And unfortunately, it is much more important for not only us, but all of you, uh, that we do our jobs and make sure that we get some Republicans elected here. Yeah. And the, the truth is, if we had all the time in the world to give everybody everything they wanted at this point in the cycle, we wouldn't be worth listening to. Yeah. You wouldn't, we wouldn't, you wouldn't have any idea. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, right. Because we're in the room, stuff. because we're in the room, we have the insights that the listeners of the Variety program have come to expect. Yeah, I mean, this is our Super Bowl. But right? the, the, the double-edged sword of that is, uh, you know, we're not going to be able to do a live stream and also be in the war room at the same time. Which kills me. It does. Yeah. Kills does. me. I, I'm mean, gonna, I don't know if any of us, maybe two of us will be in the same time zone, possibly. Like, the the, the way that we're going to be fanning out, I know I've got to be in two, at least two, possibly three war rooms I, on election night. I'm going to be in Vegas uh, with the Laxall campaign, uh, and given the time zone, and when polls close and the sort of the state election law, you know, they can't yeah. publish a result until every last person is out of every line in the state. Uh, it's going to be a late night. I'm going to be in three places at once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds fun. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to try to figure that out. And look, I mean, we're going to get this job done and we're going to run through the tape. Believe me, we've invested an enormous amount of energy to try to make this red wave happen. The least of which is talking to all of you, which is our fun part, mm -hmm. right? This is like our the release, the part that makes everything worthwhile and we can build this audience and talk to you guys, keep you informed and maybe a little entertained along the way. But rest assured, rest assured that when everything is counted, every ballot is counted, red wave comes in. Mm-hmm. And we're settled back in for the holidays. Oh, you're going to have a Thanksgiving spectacular. You're going to have some great content. This is this is going to be like the all time greatest advent calendar. We're like <laughs> each day we're going to have like a senator or governor. Just bangers. Also, I don't want to sell ourselves short. I I don't want to I don't want to sell ourselves short. Like the Tuesday episode that you're going to get next week. Oh, oh yeah. You know, on election day, it's a tradition. It's going to help you run through it's a brick a tradition. wall. It's a tradition. That's exactly right. And and we're going to provide a lot of, I think, key insights on what to expect on election stuff night to watch, and some stuff that I think all of us have held back because we haven't wanted to show our hand to the Democrats. Yes. Yeah. There's yes. a couple of things in particular in the House that I can't wait to discuss. Some trends that I I've been seeing here in the brush fire polls and surveys. But we're saving that for the Tuesday episode. Yeah, and I've got a lot of hard truths that I'm ready to Truth. talk about uh, in the upcoming days, too. That's going to be worth tuning into. Trust me. Trust me. I've been muting the phone a lot and uh, resisting the temptation. It's going to uh, be so great. So, so we're so ready. To, yeah, we're ready to go. I will say you mentioned a calendar, an advent calendar. Mm -hmm. uh, is this the one where Duncan is able to pose with his underwear? In the banana. <laughs> <laughs> this is the, the banana hammock. <laughs> the banana hammock, yeah. Because if it's the hammock, that thing's flying off the charts. I think we should make a deal. We hit 54 senators. <laughs> oh, come banana on. What do you think? <laughs> and then you get, you get 24 days of banana hammocks. It's a different angle. <laughs> 
in the lead up to Christmas. Tis the season, old man. The last one is just the red banana hammock <laughs> with maybe a couple of tassels. No, the last one's just me in a Santa hat. <laughs> there you go, folks. That's that's a, that's the closing. Note. That's our GOTV. <laughs> So make it happen, folks. (laughs) Make it happen. 54 gets us there. Uh, I love it. All right. So, fellas, let's do some five stars. Uh, We always like to start with the voice of uh, the program. Mr. Smash, would you like to read the first one? The first one comes from Ricardo Montaña. (laughs) That's exactly what I wanted out of that. (laughs) So nice. Titled The Best Political Program. No other program comes close to providing high-quality political insight, animal fighting discussions, news about the various global animal criminal enterprises, and the latest from Big Penis. <laughs> respected journal. Very respected. It's science. It's science, you assholes. <laughs> Thanks for all the laughs through the clown show that is the American politics, fellas. Also, many people are saying y'all need to live stream election night oh, so the yeah. minions... Mm-hmm can take in the red wave together thanks ricardo montagna uh listen ricardo as we explained there's nothing we would love more truly i but mean you're, unless you're gonna they, get a banger unless they if they call if they call nevada early enough and i am sober enough it's possible i'll be there with you man yeah listen i'm not gonna <laughs> rule anything out i'm not gonna rule anything out I'm not gonna rule but, but, but like that's like a you know a very one in a million chance. Right, we hope for it. Just follow the Twitter feeds. Well, that's the thing. I think that's the best. Follow the, best the Twitter advice. feeds. If it is possible, we will do something. Yeah, but it's just it's highly unlikely given how long it takes to count votes. I like country. that we like backed ourselves out of our own yeah. commitment here. But yeah. we loved and, and uh, for for our families, penis is the proceedings of the National <laughs> Academy of Sciences. Just yes. Highly respected drink. Thank, thank you, Smug. Thank you for that, Smug. Maybe you can take the next one. Absolutely. This is from Lori Budsky. Uh, it says, you're the best. Thank you so much. Thank you for bringing a lighthearted and humorous approach to such important topics. I leave listening to your show feeling invigorated instead of defeated about the future. Keep up the great work. And that is it. So That's great. why we do this. So great. I love that. Uh, Harunks, you want this last one? MPLS Moped Joy writes... I drop my son off at private school on Tuesday and Thursday morning, Mm -hmm. and I eagerly wait for the door to close when I drop him off so I can hit play on the Ruthless podcast. Mm. Cackling with you guys has become my favorite driving activity. Thank you for all you have done to invite compelling guests, inform voters on how they can help campaigns, and call out the nonsense of the left. Because of you, all I just did my... Because of you all, I just did my first 60 calls for the Republican Party in Minnesota. Outstanding. I'm part of making the red wave happen. Keep recording the political talk and banter. Thank you so much. Oh, I love that. I love that. That's it right there. The red wave isn't happening. It's something that we're doing. Make those calls. Thank you so much. Got Make a couple those calls. Of, knock those doors. A couple of tight congressional races there. And also somebody you heard only here on the Ruthless Variety program, Jim Schultz, who's taking on that psychopath Keith Ellison. That's that right. Race. There's some polls showing him ahead you know, right here at the end, right? Oh, I know. God. Yeah. It's the power of the program. Mm. Power of you people. Um, okay. So I think what we should start with is the fact that Democrats basically ran for five months on Jan 6 and abortion. Yep. Yeah. Right? And like they didn't say word one about this failing economy. In fact, mm-hmm. the only thing that they did was get themselves together, an Orwellian name, the piece of garbage bill that's basically a Green New Deal light, 
the Inflation Reduction Act, line up every Democrat to vote for it and pass it, and then sending our economy further into a tailspin. And right? what's interesting is every month since they passed that, inflation has gone up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like you said, it's Orwellian. Totally. They would call that inflation reduction. Totally. So, you know, given the fact that they're not even addressing these things, and like you get some sort of ham-handed, oh, yeah, the economy, uh, but it's good. It's good. It's great. And everybody, you know, jobs and everything's terrific. And it's just not the experience anybody's having, right? So... Like, as we look forward to Thanksgiving and everything else, we, we've talked about this before, but turkey shortages. Mm-hmm. Now, turkey shortages run two ways in this, fellas. Remember the turkeys that were attacking people? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, well, those turkeys should be available, right? I mean, you would think. A wild turkey. If you have the capability of taking down a wild turkey on a jogging trail or anything else, we've you got can help, a deal. You can help free up some supply here. I mean, that's what shocked me about that story when joggers were complaining about finding turkeys is I see this as a gift. Yeah. Yeah, oh, you're coming home with me, friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you you don't want that turkey meat. You don't want like no? a, a fighter turkey. That 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 meat's going to be stringy. Mm-hmm. Pretty gamey. That was going to be a lot of fear in that turkey. Well, I, I that would be the hope is that it would have fear after you've encountered it's it. It's going to ruin the meat. Ruin, ruin the, the meat? meat. Yeah. No. Well, yeah. you want a nice, you want a nice docile turkey that, <laughs> that doesn't see the butcher's knife coming. Yeah, yeah, because 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 they get stressed out and it ruins the meat. There I you heard go. About that. Well, maybe we should ask Ashbrook if, if like, uh, what's your your pool with bananas for turkeys? Uh, for turkeys, you you literally just sit in a field, you wait for them to walk in front of you, and you pull the trigger. <laughs> I mean, it's it's very simple with a turkey. Is it dumbest bird on the planet? <laughs> Gotta, I figured he was going to strangle them with their own gobbler. I thought, the is, gobbler is, I thought the gobbler. I thought the gobbler was going to play. It's coming into play. When well, is turkey season? Is it a specific time of year? Every state has something a little bit different. Uh-huh. And in some states, it's in the spring. And if you go outside of the turkey season in those states, you might get pulled over by a game warden if you have a turkey <laughs> in your car. I mean, that's so terrible. what I would encourage all listeners of the Ruthless Variety program to do is just consult your local <laughs> rules and regulations. <laughs> the, attorney's, uh, the attorney's note. I mean, October should be turkey season. That's crazy. Well, really so, in the some states, some, there, is a, there is a fall season. Yeah. It, it varies. But it's not, it's not a year-round year deal. Yeah. Some counties are... Various so you, county you counties. To, you have to watch it closely or you could get, uh, yeah. you get rung up by the authorities. Protect their gobbler. Uh, all right. So, well, the U.S. government is warning of a big shortage of big birds this year. Turkey prices are around 28% up from this time last My year. My God. The price of an 8 to 16 pound turkey has risen to $1.47 a pound. That's up over a buck 15 from last year. Amazing, right? I mean, this is just like in every facet of life. Not even the turkeys get spared from this. It's not just turkeys that'll cost more for Thanksgiving. Everything from potatoes to gravy is expected to cost more, too. Rising turkey costs expected to impact food banks. Now, that's sad shit. Mm-hmm. City Harvest, a, f- a food rescue organization in New York City, is expecting to spend $100,000 more than they did last year on turkeys Jeez. for people. I mean... So so my family's tradition for, for whenever we can get together, it's either Thanksgiving or Christmas, is we go to uh, 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 a shelter and, and we feed the folks there. It's either Thanksgiving or Christmas. And the fact that these prices are up 50%. Yeah. They're straight up 50% since Trump was president. And yeah. they do everything they can to stretch every dollar. And the smiles you see helping out families in need, those are the people who are hurting. That's who Biden is hurting. Totally. It's just heartbreaking. If you have a couple extra bucks and you're not worried about your own Thanksgiving, 
uh, probably worth throwing some to some of these food uh, shelters because it seems to me like the people are going to need it if one shelter is, is actually putting up a hundred thousand extra dollars for mm. one day. Good lord, good lord. Um, so not surprisingly, Democrats uh, are in big electoral problems. Huge. Um, you've heard it here first. Obviously, we walked you through the full compendium of what was about to happen. But it's all coming kind of to a fruition here. With a week to go, this is according to Axios, with a week to go before the midterm elections, some Democratic operatives are working on House races are already beginning to assign blame. Oh, here Remember, we, go. we talked about this last we, week. We, we, we told folks this would happen. The culprit, they say, is blue state governors dragging down the rest of the ballot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what a hilarious uh, Washington story, right? A Washington so publication. With yeah, no, no, no. The problem isn't all the horse shit that we voted for and the, the you know rampaging of the economy. Right. It's that... It's the pesky governor. It's that governor back home just couldn't figure it out. <laughs> Not my fault. Now, don't get me wrong. The governors are to blame, too. Oh, right? yeah. These are like lockdown libs. Yes. And they deserve a healthy amount of... I just appreciate the fact that when everybody's pointing the fingers at each other, that the guys in Washington are like, ah, it's, it's the governor. <laughs> One other facet of the media that might interest the, the audience is that not only is it Washington-centric... But it also tends to be very New York centric. Mm-hmm. So if something is happening in New York, you have oh yeah consultants in D.C. and consultants in New York fighting each other. We're talking strictly about Democrats here because Democrats are basically have been running in New York for a long time. But the Democratic consultants in D.C. fight the Democratic consultants in New York for who's to blame because the New York publications are are writing the most stories and what do you know the blame from democrats in dc about the governors falls squarely on kathy hochel exactly <laughs> well we're going to hear a lot more about kathy hochel uh at the end of this program uh from lee zeldin i'm gonna i'm gonna save it i'm gonna hold that in abatement for then because he does better job than we ever could um it turns out fellas vox is on to something uh, the what? Le- really? The, the Vox, yeah. The, this is the lefty outfit that, I, to be fair, until this uh, appeared in our document today, I thought Vox went out of business. <laughs> I, I really did. I, I haven't seen him in a while. Didn't you think it was gone? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that's a trend that we're going to see going forward. Like, Wouldn't that be a lovely my thing? My whole unifying theory of that, like, Americans are now experiencing facts that are extremely different from what is being reported. <laughs> Just like, just like you heard, like you know, these Dems are like, "How did this happen?" That like, you know, we're 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 reporters are saying that democracy and abortion is the number one issue, but they're like nineteenth and twentieth when they poll voters. This is an example of it. I mean, it's incredible. So uh, Vox apparently travels down to a congressional district and is surprised to find out that Jan Six is not a priority for voters. Who'd have guessed? Yeah. Elaine Luria has dedicated herself to investigating January Six. Her voters don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what a That's lead. a great line. <laughs> Luria is on the January 6th committee and played a visible role in the nationally televised hearings about the attack on the Capitol. It isn't resonating enough to overcome all the factors cutting against Luria, including the electric's displeasure with Democrats' control of the government and a district that was redra- redrawn. Oh, that's a, that's what it is. It's it's the district that's redrawn. Mm. Maybe it's your sabotage of the American economy. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm spitballing here. Yeah. A recent poll in the district had Luria tied 45-45 with Kiggins, 
the Republican. Not an ideal place for an incumbent to be only weeks before Election Day, I should say so. I yeah. should say so. Speaking of Ox, Luria expressed her disappointment that Republicans were not dealing with the gravity of the attack on the Capitol mm. and directed their ire specifically at her opponent. In conversations with voters in early voting location in Virginia Beach, the economy, interesting, <laughs> the economy weighed far more heavily than the attack on the Capitol. I am shocked. Yeah, who could have guessed? And that's the thing is, to me, when this line when it says Luria expressed her disappointment that Republicans were not dealing with the gravity of the attack, I think it shows just how out of touch the Democrats are. When you see that a, a turkey is 50% more expensive than two years ago. When Americans have said, screaming across the country, our concern is with inflation, gas prices, cost of living, the hardships we deal with. And she's like, I'm very disappointed. You people aren't worried about this. Like, you're supposed to represent the people. I hope you lose your job. But and, the, and the reason why Vox went to this district in particular is it's a very large military population. Right. And so the theory of the case was, well, if there are you know, Republicans or independent voters anywhere in America who are going to buy into this Democrat message. It's going to be ones with, you know, sort of respect for the chain of command, you know, you know, people who are veterans and right. military folks. Uh, but that's not going to be more important to them than their pocketbook, <laughs> as we as we have said here on the program for two years. Which is so, I mean, the funniest part to me is watching the collective media and Democrats come to the same conclusion at the same time that we've been talking about now for a year and a half. Yep. That they're like, Holy shit. <laughs> Jan 6 not going to do it. It's not going to do it. Honestly, dude, I think they knew that for a long time. I just think that you they think were so? I think they were powerless to stop what was coming. And so it's like this game of chicken between the Democrats and the media of who's going to blink first, like who's going to admit the reality and they both chose to admit it when it was far too late to do anything about it <laughs> so in classic fashion of a lip i, I think that i i think these are i i think they're just malicious terrible people they hired, well i mean that too yeah they, they hired like tv producers for right. the hearings in prime time yeah there were no hearings about why is it that this administration would rather buy oil from dictatorships right yeah, they're still then not. To let America produce no, our own. No hearings about grocery prices. Or why did why did we strand thousands of Americans in Afghanistan? None. There's None. no hearings about that. You're gonna get a lot of them shortly. Oh, but but God let me willing. just say before we get off this Vox thing, because I've just I, I don't know why I'm obsessed with the idea of Vox still existing, but yeah. I am. So I'm trying to picture in my mind what the like Chablis drinking uh, lib <laughs> with the big horn rim glasses and the tight tight jeans sitting behind their Zoom when they're reading this what their face looks like like the it moment. looks like Matt Iglesias <laughs> <laughs> but I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out like what their face looks like when they read her voters don't care you know this they're is, probably like oh God. Th th they're this like is, I'm so disappointed yeah this there's just so much misinformation out there yeah. like these prices it's just not real don't these people care about mm. democracy I demand they deliver my DoorDash. Why don't they just shut up and care I about think, democracy? Dude, I think it's even worse than that. I don't think it's disappointment. I think it's utter contempt for the voters. That is. I think, you know, we'll see the same... After next Tuesday, we're going to see the same thing we saw... Um, you know, I've said this before, but like after the McConnell race, once it was clear to these libs who had given millions and millions of dollars to Amy McGrath that she was going to yeah. get boat raced, 
then it was these, you know, the rubes in Kentucky don't know what's good for you. Oh, they immediately pivot. They were like, oh, but yeah. we love the people of Kentucky. They're going to do the right thing. And then as soon as they right. vote the other way, it's like, look at these backwoods right. assholes. Right. Yeah. And it's going to be exactly. the same thing again here. And it's and it's not just going to be the usual suspects. They're going to look around at Hispanic voters and be like, oh, so you're complicit with white supremacy now. No. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, that's what they're going to do, dude. And they're going to do it with a straight face because they're utterly contemptible people. They're going to Keep push. calling them Latinx. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and I saw this Reuters reporter the other day who 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 took us a, a photo of, of the gas pump and they're like gas is just 350 i don't know why you people say gas is expensive. and it's like the contempt that a certain class of americans this like nexus of the journos and the libs who are like listen we just work on zoom we all make six figures like why right. won't you all get with the program and, and we ride the, and we ride the train that we complain about yeah. every single day so gas doesn't matter to us you know but if you're an american in most of the country who travels 10, 15 miles every day to work, that adds up really fast, dude. Really, 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 fast. really fast. Can I, can I, can I resolve uh, one issue I have when we categorize these people? Mm-hmm. Too frequently on the right, we categorize the people you're talking about as elites. Mm-hmm. You hear people talk about elites, mm-hmm. elites, <laughs> elites. There's not a goddamn thing that's elite. About There's not this. very that's the elite, truth. right? Yeah. I mean, the most for the most part, these are fail sons. These are people. It's the exact opposite of Darwin, because like <laughs> our side is folks like these are the our voters are people across this country who can actually do things with their hand. Yeah, they can, and can do survive stuff. and provide and add value to this country, and they're being judged by folks who live in Brooklyn apartments, getting way overpaid, wearing their masks, sitting alone with their ten cats. Being like, I don't, I don't get why they don't care about democracy. <laughs> <laughs> we can skin a buck and we can run a trout line, as Hank Williams said. Yeah, uh, that's exactly right. Well, anyway, um, they're also very, very surprised to find out the white suburban women swing back towards Republicans in Congress. Surprise, surprise. What's so amazing is since the month of June, Democrats have run an exclusive campaign on the issue of abortion, thinking that all suburban women are exactly the same, that they think exactly the same, that they're monolithic, that they don't have economic challenges to their life, that their security in their neighborhoods is not of interest, that fentanyl being trafficked over the Mm -hmm. border into their children's hands is something that's like beyond their grasp to fully understand. And like, lo and behold, you find out in the middle of October, they don't give a shit about anything that they're talking about. They give a shit about everything that the Republicans have been talking about. I, I think that's another thing is is the reason Democrats are going to fail so hard in this election is their worldview is based upon divide and conquer. Yeah. They see everyone as a demographic. They're like, wait, you're a person of color? Why aren't you voting for us? And they're like, stop calling me Latinx. Like, <laughs> that's a start, maybe. <laughs> so, so they have spent so much of their time over the past couple years trying to split America into these little buckets and make everyone mad at each other. Yeah. To try to control the country and, and get power. And I think everyone's just sick of it. Right. Our, our policies, our ads this election, meet the voters where they are with the concerns that they have. Yeah. And the Democrats instead try to project their own values onto the voters and demand the voters care about them. Yeah, And, and, and that's the fundamental problem of this election is that disconnect. Well, which which also sort of envelops their what they try to do with free speech and what yeah. they try to do with tech and everything right. else, which is your point exactly, that they want to project their values and demand that they be taken up. And if you don't, right. if you don't, 
Well, we're going to censor the shit out of it. <laughs> another, another, another perfect example of where they do this is energy. They tell people that high gas prices are good, high energy prices are good because we're in a transition. They keep saying we that. We need to by the leave. Way. It's insane to me that they're saying. They this, keep but I'll, saying. I'll I mean, take it. Biden himself and his economic advisor have listened to them over the last week. They keep talking about economic transition. We're leading this economic transition. Okay. Well, if you drive to work, that transi- transition sucks. Bingo. Horrible. Right? I mean, unless you're walking from your apartment flat, your 200 square foot piece of shit in the middle of the city to like, you know, some cubicle where you, you know, strap on your headset and and sit there with your city job and don't worry about anything else. Like, uh, it sucks. And you know what? I think it sucks. And, and that's that's not what most people experience. In, in a wild way, I think, Holmes, that's been super beneficial to us is because you've had the past two years, you've had years where journalists like... The morning after their city has been like burned down by BLM rioters, they'll show up and grab a latte and take a picture of their latte and be like, oh, wow, there's no crime here. (laughs) And then everyone else in the city is like, I'm worried about someone punching me. My neighbor got thrown in front of the train. (laughs) Right. So that denial and like the bubble that they've created, their own little insular world where they're like, Yes, the economy is great. I can afford groceries going up by 50%. Totally normal. The rest of America is absolutely rejecting that message. You know, one of the things that I would do if we had a live stream on Election Day would be to have us do like a mystery science theater on MSNBC. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm telling folks. Wouldn't that be amazing? Yeah. That would be... This I is mean, this is the one day of the year to watch MSNBC. I mean, I because this is going to be just like meltdown. They're going to be so pissed. They, last they, they last thing I coming. they they all drink the Kool Aid. Last yeah. thing I do before I fly to Vegas is I'm going to get on Directv and I'm going to record their entire <laughs> prime time lineup so I have it there in my DVR to enjoy on the way home. Yes, I love that so much. You, you know what's my favorite thing to do if ever I'm bored. Uh, I want to have a good time. You go on YouTube and you Google 2016 election. 2016 election. Yeah, nice. So good. Yeah. Cable. Yeah. I think we're going to have a great time. I mean, great time this year. It's hard to beat that, but this one's going to be really good. I mean, I was so I was talking to Megan Kelly today and she showed me a clip of Joy Reid who is like angrily describing to her audience how Republicans had rigged the polls. Oh. <laughs> And, wow. and that, that they had rigged the poll aggregators by having Republican-only polls. And so, therefore, they it suggests that Republicans might win. They are, they're really, like, in final bunker mode. Yeah, dude. Where they're like, okay, we all have to be crazy together. Yeah. <laughs> they're like Thelma and Louise. Hold your hands. We're, we're driving over the cliff. <laughs> Step on it, Thelma. Wait till they wait till they start saying that the Russians stole it again, despite the Ukrainians. There you go. Yeah. Oh yeah, no kidding. All right, you want some animal news? I would love some. Of course. So smash. I think he's he's the one that flagged this first for us mm-hmm. uh, because it's not far from his home, frankly. Um, Hank the Tank was spotted in Northern Virginia. Yeah, Vienna. Have you guys been to Vienna? Yeah, I'm it not. is. It, Vienna is not a place where you would expect to see a bear walking around. <laughs> no? Just to just to put it mildly, the story says that the bear was on the loose and uh, video of the wild animals popping up all over social media and the sightings are creating concern for some residents in Vienna. Now, Vienna, for, for those of you who are unfamiliar with it, it's a, it's a nice little town. It's right off a bike path. A lot of people ride their bikes or run and they grab coffee and they do, you know, it's, it's a nice little 
But there's town. buildings to be. It's sidewalks. I mean, the this bear was was videoed walking down a sidewalk like it was like it was window shopping. That's exactly right. But the thing that struck me is that officials said that this bear has been active <laughs> in Fairfax County for about two months. Uh oh. Uh oh. So this they've been tracking this bear, and this bear is it's not it's not going anywhere. They knew it was there. They didn't alert anybody. Well, they know what happens when you screw with one of Hanks. Well, that's probably. I right. mean, I, you know, I don't care if they belong to a criminal enterprise. I just I support the bear. <laughs> like I feel it's like a spirit animal. All they want to do is just like hang out, find food, and do what they want. I support. They've the bear. done nothing wrong. <laughs> but if if you live in the American West. Um, you would expect to see a bear showing up. Maybe North Carolina, some parts of Tennessee. You would expect to see a bear maybe showing up in the backyard. You keep the kids inside. You want to keep everybody protected. But, I mean, in northern Virginia, to see a bear closing in on your back patio, it is, it's not <laughs> but, an expected but, but, but sight. But I think that's the thing. is like, who has ever seen a video of, like, bear attacks child? It doesn't happen, dude. They're just, like, trying to find food. They well, just want food. They're I don't think super that's chill. totally true, bro. But, like, I, but, well, but you see, like, how many videos are of, like, dog, you know, like, pit bull attacks child? So for like, a million of them. But it, fact. Fact. I, I've, never seen, I've never seen a bear attack a child. Most bears are like, listen, but I just want to find food. But think about where I the, just, like, want to be fat and think, sleep for half the year. Th- think about where the bears are. They're in the part of the country where parents and families are responsible, and they keep their kids inside. <laughs> Right when the bear's out, because they know that if their kids are out when the bear's around, the bear the bear's going to attack. Probably going to eat the bear. So, so tell me, Ashbrook, if if in Vienna, uh, for our listeners in Vienna, is this a honey pot on top of a bowl, a, a, a pool of water? How you mean? How do you take out the bear? <laughs> yeah. What's the monkey banana thing? I think you're going to have to break a city ordinance and put a fifty cal into its skull. <laughs> Unreal. I mean, I just, I, you're I just not going to need that much. It, it looked like a pretty small black bear. If I have a choice between a bear or like a teacher's union member, dude, I take bear seven out of seven days. Like the teacher's union is 100% more harmful to my kids. Well, I, bear I just, just wants food. I, I just think he doesn't want to ruin the child's is, life. In, in reality, there is just no messing with a bear. You got to keep everybody inside and call the authorities. Okay. Well, I'm going to be I'm going to be polishing up my Winchester 270. <laughs> If he if he rolls through my neck of the woods, you're gonna take it from the window, yeah, like from the book depository. And then, and <laughs> this bolt, is this is why action. this is why if shit hits the fan, I'm going to dunk it. Dude. Bolt action. It's the yeah, safest right. place in America. He's gonna take the bolt action. <laughs> Beautiful and gun. And then he's <laughs> it's a great deer hunting gun. 100 percent going to dunk dude. <laughs> then he's gonna skin Duncan, it. Dunk the zombies it. are here. Let me in, bro. <laughs> he's gonna skin it and put the rug on his floor. Absolutely. I love that idea. I just want a couple burger meat thing, uh, bear burgers. Here's the here's the thing though. Before I made it a rug. I would definitely put it on my head and sort of like recreate Revenant. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. Leonardo yeah, yeah, DiCaprio. You have, to, you have to do that. Dude, we should go kill a bear. Hell yeah. <laughs> that sounds good. If you guys know how to kill bears, call us. Uh, so you guys see this thing about the Powerball? Yes, I did. So the Powerball is apparently $1.2 billion again? Yes. Yeah. So apparently nobody won this sucker. So it's up to $1.2 billion. I feel like we need to just sort of revisit what we would do yes. with the 1.2. And I've spent a lot more thought on this. Yeah. So um, initially I told folks that like my plan was just like, okay, I'm going to go to some country that doesn't extradite and, and, and see what happens, right? 
I, I saw some. In, so I watched. Wait, a lot I, of, but I've always been confused by the extradition component to it because I, it implies there's crimes to be avoided. Merrick Garland is super mad at me. Like I don't. <laughs> I don't trust this government. I don't trust Democrats. I'm, I have to. I have to go. I got to go. Especially if they now have 1.2 billion. I'm going to try to do everything I can to elect Republicans. They 100 would try to stop me. So I You're have to get the, the drag to the streets with the shoe slap. That's the thing. Yeah. It is is as as <laughs> the shoe slap. You know, this 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 administration showed that they punish political prisoners. So I would leave. But but I saw a very interesting like uh, 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 YouTube. I watched tons of YouTube documentaries. So there was one about like um, through the history of folks who've created like doomsday bunkers, right? Uh-huh. And I, bet, I bet Don can see the same thing. Yeah, 100%. Dude, his place is set up If for it's it. a how-to manual, he's got it. And what was super interesting is, like, I always thought, like, I would hire, like, Navy SEALs to keep me safe while I do my stuff. You have to bring their families in. Oh, yeah, because— It's your compound. Because, like, eventually, like, you know, it could be, like, the day after the apocalypse, and they're like, why are we protecting this idiot? Let's just shoot him and take his shit. Uh, I will take care of everyone's families. <laughs> so I'm going to create, like, a, you know, like a, a conservative utopia— in a country that doesn't extradite. Ladies and gentlemen. That is my... Jim Jones, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for for the Kool-Aid. Gather gather around families, gather around children. Today is the day. Some congressmen are coming to meet us on an airplane. (laughs) Oh, boy. Okay. All right. Well, I feel like you've amended it slightly. Is there any any amendments, Duncan, you'd like to add to your $1.2 billion dreams? I mean, you know, this time of year, I'm not thinking much of, like, myself. you know, because we're so close to the election, the only thing I, I can think say, about yeah. doing is like launching a massive super PAC to punish my enemies. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like really personal grievances. That yeah. is so altruistic, though. Is the Let thing. me just tell you, if we had $1.2 billion in a super PAC, the assembled group here could cause some problems. Some real problems. And, and it's extremely problems. altruistic. Like, if you, you are a billionaire. Inflation. That's like the best way to fight inflation. If, you're, if you are a billionaire, here's my pitch to you billionaires out there. We have a lot of listeners. One of you got to be a billionaire. Instead of giving your money to your fail son kids, <laughs> give it to us. Give it to us. We'll change America. I mean, to be honest, we'll make people's lives totally hellish who are causing problems throughout this country, which I think in and of itself is a service. That's basically right. our mission statement. Yeah, it's a, it's a service. It's a service. No, I like that. That's yeah. very good. That's a good one. Smash, you got anything you want to add to that? Boy, I got no idea what I'd do. Something fun with my friends and family. Something fun with your friends that's, and family. That, that's, adorable. that's so. That's Ashbrook. what you've come up with. No, but that's very Ashbrook. I mean, Something I mean, fun. we'd get on a plane, we'd go play golf, we'd go to a beach, we'd um, we'd. I, I, One point two billion, pal. It's not like a it's like a five grand. Here, 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 it's like we're all like we tear wish away. malice on our enemies. Here's and one thing. Like, I take care of my family. Here's friends. one thing. <laughs> <laughs> like what? Why? <laughs> Here's one thing. I think Ashbrook would definitely do. He probably won't admit it. But given his history with animals, I can almost guarantee it. And that is, I think he would set up the most elaborate hunting preserve oh, you're in right. America. Well, you're you right. could do that. Like one you, of those situations that they have down in Texas where you've got oh zebras. I would love yeah, like Pavlich, like Pavlich went yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I think Ashbrook would have one well-stocked. Yeah. And, and, you know, for a fee, you could kill pretty much anything. And I think his tool selection and his hunting selection would be exotic things. Well, <laughs> like a chainsaw. It'd be, you know? it, it would be like... The, you can kill this zebra with this chainsaw. Right. It would be like the Bass Pro Pyramid with live yeah. rounds. Yes. Oh, which yeah. is just like the best thing I could imagine. If you've never been to the Bass Pro 
yeah. pyramid. I in, highly recommend in, it in Memphis, Tennessee. I highly, highly recommend. Yeah. It. If you've if you've got a billion dollars, you can also afford the fines to um, include endangered animals on the property. Wow! <laughs> Hell yes, dude. Yeah, Ashford's going to spend a billion dollars, billion dollars to bring back the dodos just so he can kill it. <laughs> well, listen, I'm I'm just impressed at the what, maturity what, of the assembled. Group what would here. What would you do, Holmes? Well, I mean, I was going to say two chicks at the same time. <laughs> I'm kidding, honey. It's your birthday week. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But that's a great answer anyway. Uh, all right, let's move on to uh, this is actually something we've been meaning to do for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. It's the diesel fuel issue. Yes, right? huge. Now, you recall that like before the baby formula thing was a baby formula thing, mm-hmm. we started talking about it because we started seeing some local stories pop up around the country about how there was just, you know, this bizarre shortage all of a sudden that turned in like three months later into a national catastrophe. And it's literally still a shortage. I don't know if anybody's gone to like a CVS trying to find baby formula. It's still a problem. It's still a problem. And I cannot believe the Democrats haven't had like one like meeting of a task force. Like just dropping balls. Yeah. Incredible. To the extent that they even care that the balls are in the air. They so but this one mark our words. This one is going to be a problem. Yes, it is. Right? There's a seriously low diesel supply that threatens to worsen inflation. Uh, This one comes from the Hill. A seriously low U.S. global diesel supply is likely to drive fuel costs up and worsen inflation, raising concerns as cold weather months approach. Now, here's the thing. This is once again something like baby formula Mm -hmm. that the... 40-something, kidless, single, chablis-drinking, cityite doesn't think about a lot. No, they don't. Right? How how is it that their chablis gets into their little corner wine store? Exactly. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I I think this is something that a lot of libs are going to get destroyed on election days because they don't see the consequences of their actions. So you've seen... the thing is, is that it wasn't just the Biden administration and every Democrat in the Senate and the House who's voting uh, voting for his like so-called Inflation Reduction Act. What doubles down on, on the problem is they also cut American energy independence. So when you do that, number one, costs are immediately driven up for energy, for diesel, uh, uh, for gasoline, for any way to move goods in this country is, number one, now more expensive. Number two... Now, when you're spending so much money, you're debasing the dollar. So it's a double whammy yeah. that is making things more difficult for Americans. And 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 now you're seeing it in real time. And, and when they try, you know, for a, lick, uh, a little bit of a talker that like, oh, we've released emergency supplies, which is, and, and this is in, in, in actuality, they're selling our emergency reserve to China. Unbelievable. China transacted on on the United States selling our emergency uh, oil barrels. China's who bought it. So they are selling and mortgaging our emergency future reserves to China with this in the crippling American energy independence and making cost of living more expensive for Americans. It's it's uh, it's well, criminal. I, I it's mean, criminal. Look, you want to talk about supply chain issues? You ain't seen nothing yet. Mm-hmm. If, if we have, I mean, look, according to this article, and I, I, I just, I literally can't believe that I'm reading this. I hope this doesn't panic people because it actually is panicking me right now. According to this article, it says the country has about 25 days worth of diesel left. Think about that. Hmm. This is America. Wow. Wow. I mean, 
your job, if you are elected to look out for this country, your job is to look around the corner and try to figure these things out, right? You know you've had a gas price issue because of what you've done on the supply side for the entirety of their administration. Wouldn't you think that this could also be a subsidiary effect of that? And wouldn't you think like, okay, well, this might be a disaster on gas prices, but let's just make sure that like the cataclysmic disaster doesn't actually hit because we move everything around this country on diesel engines, whether it's a train or whether it's a semi-truck. The thing is, it matters more to this administration for Ron Klain to tweet that like, hey, we sold some of our emergency reserve, hoping that we can get a good headline, rather than actually face the reality of this is what happens when you cripple American energy independence. Right. <laughs> and Yeah, like even more so than just like a, a headline, like they literally are gambling with the country's national security. Totally. All, all for some Green New Deal pipe dream. Like that, the stakes of what they have done could not be higher. I mean, everyone's seen the headlines. There's, there's talk of like there could be a nuclear war. Would you want to be involved in a nuclear war where you have 20 days of fuel? Right. Well, you couldn't do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't happen. I mean, you couldn't do That's it. That's a loss. It, it, but, but let's take your point for a minute because I think it's worth talking about, right? There is an element of intentionality to this. Yeah, psychotic stuff. Right? I mean, you don't cripple your own supply of fossil fuels in this country without knowing that there will be a significant amount of pain associated with that. Right. Right? But when it gets to the point where you have 25 days of, in, of diesel fuel left, mm. what are you... Are, like, is it possible that these guys are thinking like, well, what we'll do is see if we can figure out how to like online all of the battery powered truck bullshit that doesn't yet exist and we'll say that that's the solution to this dude they're gonna come they'll have to come back and it's the cloud driven strategy it's like you make the the crisis happen so that you can offer the solution that is it that's what that's it always the, is. That's, that's what the that's the liberals dude. solution to everything because that they know it. they can't sell their policy without crisis it's fascinating crisis is required because no sane person would eat bugs or sleep in a pod but they're like right well how do we force them yeah <laughs> they also have kind of a good bit going because like the top of the ticket right when we're talking about the president the vice president chuck schumer nancy pelosi you know like fettermans of the world like none of them look capable of of actually executing some nefarious None. plan right because they can't talk they can't walk they can't i mean the, all these people are just like complete brain dead idiots mm-hmm. and yet somebody's executing something well, i mean it's right not, it, so, so it's kind of, of a good it, bit yeah. if you think about it yeah. so much of it and i ascribe and this is the hobby horse is the left-wing dark money where you have like swiss billionaires like hans Jörg wiss who push push this like green agenda on the united states because oh who would have guessed they have significant holdings in stocks with this green energy bullshit and unholdings in China making solar panels and batteries for the United States that they want to force to go onto their Green New Deal. It's it's stunning and, and it's beyond irresponsible. I mean, it's almost treasonous that the Dems have taken this path to cripple America. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You want to hear some good news? I'd love to. That Democrats are saying are is terrible news? Uh, there have been 10,000... Fewer babies aborted in mm. this country. Wait, this is bad news? No, no, no. This is good news that they're sharing is bad news. Incredible. Right? A data set shared exclusively with 538 shows that two months after the Supreme Court decision, there were 10,570 fewer abortions as compared to pre-Dobbs estimates. 
That figure is a net, counting both declines in some states and increases in others, and it shows a few states absorbing some, but not all, of the demand for abortions mm. in states where they're now banned. Um, look, I don't know how to... I mean, how do you talk about that other than the fact that like the life, the life community, important pillar within the Republican Party, has worked for generations Correct. for this statistic? And I think what what we see right here is a great example of how many left-wing arguments have fallen apart. Right. It always used to be safe, legal, and rare. Yeah, that. Well, I mean, know. that was their talking point right. 30 years ago. Well, the, it, Think about yeah. the degeneracy that's taken place in the Democrat Party from that's 30 right. years ago when that's their right. standard bearer, Bill Clinton, who was the president of the United States, said safe, legal, and rare over and over and over again. It's uh, it's an important topic, no doubt about it. Here's one that I'll lighten it up a little bit. Uh, I got a kick. I got a kick out of this shit. <laughs> so this is according to the Daily Mail. The border crisis is getting so bad that the Biden administration is now considered considering holding migrants at Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> My God, like, no, no. This is this is so much like the last bunker. <laughs> Where, like, everyone else has, like, like Saki got a job at MSNBC. Like, so many people ran out of this administration, got their jobs at corporations, and now it's just, like, the people are like, what about Gitmo? Dude, <laughs> so good. that's the only people left. But what makes this so good to me, and Ashbrook, you lived through this with me, is 15 years ago, Joe Biden, Barack Obama, and the rest of the left in, like, the 07, 08 time frame was hell-bent at convincing the American people that Guantanamo Bay must be close was the most inhumane yeah, right. prison in the history of the world and it was so inhumane that they must must let out every single hardened terrorist that we'd captured everywhere across the country including people who were directly responsible for 9-11 and and, and th- this is an absolute fact both uh uh, Obama and Biden have let individuals out of Gitmo who have gone on been recaptured. to commit more terrorism. Right. Yeah, and, well, and, and some of them were recaptured and were in in uh, uh, Bagram right. Air Force right. Base. And we the, let them go again. In the fighting fields of Afghanistan. Yeah. yeah. We, right we, back to the fight. And we let so them go again. Yeah. Crazy, dude. I mean, I don't know what's up with these people, but now let's go for a full circle. It was so bad, you know. They couldn't. Uh, the conditions were so terrible for these people who murdered five thousand Americans. We ought to just let them go. But the migrants? Yeah, that sounds like a decent well, idea. Yeah. Yeah. About them, it's what, basically a beach victim. What an incredible heel turn that we went from. You know, Time Magazine cover of uh, Donald Trump member during you know ch- quote unquote child separation policy, yeah. which the photo on the front cover was of course fake news and that wasn't actually a child being separated from their parents. But the, the uproar at, at, at even the idea of that during Donald Trump's presidency, the heel turn from that to Gitmo for migrants <laughs> is incredible. An incredible realization of how much you fucked up the problem at the border e- 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 without actually fixing e- e- the problem. Even more timely is uh, you had libs and journos being like, wow, DeSantis sending migrants to Martha's Vineyard, right. human trafficking. Yes. 
Sending that Gimmo? Actually good. Yeah, good. <laughs> These people are so terrible. Me- meanwhile, they ca- they can't just like bring themselves to have a secure border and an orderly immigration process in this country. Because like, how about just do that <laughs> right instead the- of sending them to Gitmo? Like, why can't you just the the uncomfortable be truth? Normal. The uncomfortable truth the Democrat Party is is built right now to serve ten percent of Americans. Just extremely wealthy people who are insulated from the horrible decisions and policies that they want. That's the Democratic policy. Or, or, or their whole party is based upon like, okay, we're in New York, Los Angeles. We are completely insulated from any of these horrible policies we want everyone else to live under. You know, like there was a summer of rioting and cities being burned down. Didn't concern them. They, they just go and get a latte and take a photo and be like, hey, everything's normal. Everything's cool. <laughs> You send people to Martha's Vineyard? Are you serious? Yo, this yeah. is human traffic. That is a problem. But, but Gitmo's okay. That's that's fine. Send him to Gitmo. I'm trying to think about the dude who like walks five thousand miles and swims across across the Rio Grande and get like his only hope is to try to get like a landscaping job where he can send the money back. And the next thing you know, he's sharing a cell with Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's incredible. Talk about a band hand. Because like DeSantis yeah. would have sent me to Martha's Vineyard. What the hell? <laughs> Oh, fellas, I think we got to play a game. We do, Let's and it is game. it is Thursday, and that can mean only one thing, King of the Hill. Let's go. <laughs> and Holmes, you have our champion, right? I do. I'm brainworms yourself. Yeah, and uh, Smug, you're going to bring us a challenger. Who is it? I am. It is Radio Free Tom, Tom Nichols. Oh, let's go. Let's go. Let's go ringside. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, your attention, please. It's time for King of the Hill. And now, in the red corner, fighting shirtless from a poolside lounge chair, in a bid to reclaim his crown, Radio Free Tom Nichols! And now, in the blue corner, fighting from the Washington Post and current Champion of the world, Jennifer Brainworms Rubin. <laughs> oh, so I'm champion. That means I got to go first, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm gonna lo- I'm gonna load up a granny right off the top of the first here. Oh, okay. If Republicans would stop inciting violence, crime might go down. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, that's incredible. Oh, Oh, I love it. It's like it melds together the hand-waving off crime and then Jan 6, which we already talked about in our earlier segment, doesn't motivate a single voter. <laughs> she managed to put it in one tweet. Did it all together. So I think that's that's key to it, is completely missing the point of what this election is about. But I think Radio Free does even better. This is from a day, day ago. Uh, Radio Free is, quote, tweeting Morning Joe. Quote, I'm a single issue voter now. And that single issue for me is whether or not you support democracy <laughs> or whether or not you stand up against disinformation. Tom Nichols, same. (laughs) 
that's that's what this election comes down to. This is so great. Democracy and disinformation. You know, I always hope for this. I I hope <laughs> I hope I hoped when we got close to the election that people would find a new gear. And both these contenders are finding one. They're like <laughs> super crazy. Yeah. We've got to we've got to keep going. Well, I I think, you know, when you get close to the election and there's so much focus on it, the engagement numbers pop up more and it sort of has this feedback loop where like people like them like keep going harder and harder in the paint trying to get more and more <laughs> they get addicted they, they need the tweet they, they need, need the tweets and i think the elon musk thing like like turning their throttle down a yeah. little bit yeah you know like they're used to just getting over throttled like mm-hmm. every lib you've ever seen has like a million right. followers like right. all of a sudden now like, they got to work for it they're like oh my god i really have to tune things <laughs> up <laughs> um <clears throat> so these are similar. Um, I mean, come on. You know the the uh, democracy or disinformation. Democracy or disinformation. It's pretty fucking clear, dude. It's the only thing I care Nichols about is the voters. <laughs> I just think that the, the idea that it's crime good, goes down if Republicans stop inciting it is the funniest fucking thing I've heard in a long time. Well, the it's the extra layer of dismissing <laughs> what voters clearly care about, which is rising crime. <laughs> And saying if Republicans, the Republicans are causing it. Yeah. Like, like, like statistics across the entire country are, are because this paranoid schizophrenic attacked Paul Pelosi. Where there isn't a Republican as far as the eye can yeah, see. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> Only Jennifer Rubin can tie that bow. And for that reason, she wins round one. Oh, it's just so, I mean, that's. I saw that t- this week, and I was like, well, I got one nuke. Yeah. <laughs> I got one nuke. So, so this is a very special tweet. This is from uh, Tom Nichols, and it shows his utter lack of of understanding irony, but also just, like, he has no self-awareness. This is such an insane tweet for him to push out. It says, uh, they're angry when they lose because they think losing is a result of a plot. They're angry when they win because they're constantly reminded that winning doesn't produce the cultural acceptance and respect they claim not to care about but actually feel is their due. What? He sent that out. He just described himself. (laughs) It's the most insane take to drop, especially at a time like this. When everyone knows this election is basically hinged on Democrats being completely out of touch. It was like, no, actually... All the crazy shit we've been pushing is good. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, all right. So this is going to go in a little different direction, but I think it's, I think it's so classically Jennifer Rubin because she's she somehow does not connect the very unbelievably clear offensive nature of this in her own personal views with what she's ascribing to an entire group. Their beliefs. Their beliefs clash with essence of American experiment in conflict with objective facts, demography, and economics. White evangelical Protestants' outlook is warped by right-wing media and refracted through a prism of visceral anger and resentment. I got that. No, no. That's a win for me. Let me just provide some important context. Take those words that she just said about an entire religion of people in this country right and race in this country 
cha- exchange them with her religion, Jewish, and then read that art, read that right, read that paragraph. Right. And if that's not the most offensive thing, you would thing be you've de- ever heard. You'd be deplatformed so quickly. You'd be off of Twitter. You'd be off of the internet. You'd be fired for the Washington Post. Like not, you would never even be seen or heard from ever again. Right. Like what Kanye has said is like the most offensive thing of all time. It really competes with this. Right. She's saying that literally every single white evangelical Protestant's outlook is warped. I mean, she doesn't. Dude, that's she no doesn't, toast, no, dude. she doesn't. You're, no, no, no she like doesn't categorize so it. She doesn't shit. categorize it. Can you believe it? She said that white evangelical Protestants' outlook is warped by right wing media and refracted through a prism of visceral anger and resentment. She's not saying that some do. I mean, she's not saying that conservatives I, do. I, I, she's not saying that Southerners do. Right. I, she's saying that if you're white and evangelical, man, you are fucking nuts. I, I think the point of this is that Holmes is good at selling. Oh, I mean, you that can sell is, that tweet, but like that's that not can a great sell tweet. itself. That's not a great tweet. But I think that's a walk off. I think it's a walk off. <laughs> wow, I think it's a wow. rare, a rare two round victory. Uh, we're going to go into election day with Jennifer Brainworms Rubin as our champion. A real hot hand. A Incredible. real hot hand. I mean, you know, and I also noticed, by the way, very gracious off- offer by the brass here at the Ruthless Variety Program. Uh, she said that she would leave Twitter before paying Elon the the Twitter verified eight buck fee. Yeah, uh, and we offered to sponsor it. I mean, with pleasure. Yeah, with yeah. with pleasure. Can you imagine if she got off this? I mean, she King won't. of the Hill would be a disaster. Now, all of these people are addicted to this platform. They're, I mean, they are not going to leave. It's the it's their version of. You know, if if Bush wins re-election, I'm moving to Canada. We should start a GoFundMe for Jennifer Rubin. For sure. For Jennifer Rubin's Twitter verified fee. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good idea. Maybe we'll find that out. All right. Well, listen, I appreciate the championship. Uh, I'll put it under my belt and move on. But right now, you need to listen to the one and only, the next governor of New York, Lee Zeldin. I want to welcome to the program... Uh, listen, he's got his name, name all over the news right now. I'm super excited about this interview for all the obvious reasons. He is a congressman and he's about to be sneaky. Don't look now. The governor of New York, Lee Zeldin. Welcome to the program. It's great to be with you. Hey, listen, pal. I mean, I got to be honest. There's not a lot of people, even at the beginning of the cycle, when people thought, you know, inevitable wet, wet red wave, that New York was going to be in play. But you decided to get into this race. And lo and behold, you've run just an incredible campaign. And here you are less than a week out in striking distance to win this thing. We're feeling good. I mean, we got in this race 19 months to the day before the election, April 8th, 2021. We worked hard. First six months, we had campaigned at least twice in all of New York's 62 counties. There's a saying in New York, if you uh, go to every county in the state at least once in a calendar year, it's called the full Schumer. Um, there's <laughs> yeah. a new saying in New York, and uh, I'm sure Senator Schumer uh, wouldn't be thrilled to hear this, but if you go at least twice to every county in six months, that's called the full Zelda now in New York. <laughs> oh, nice. You know, the up we, the ante. We, we got in early. We, we've been working hard. Uh, the, the biggest thing that changed, obviously, was that Cuomo ended up resigning in August of 2021. Uh, but the issues are the same. And we came in talking about how New Yorkers are hitting a breaking point in this state. We were talking about the attacks on wallet safety, freedom, and the kids' education, and how people are deciding to head to other states 
where they feel like their money will go further, they'll feel safer and they'll live life freer. Fast forward to post Labor Day 2022, September, October, we're battling for undecided, independent minded voters. And I'm out here talking about the issues that matter most to New Yorkers, while Kathy Hochul wants to talk about absolutely anything else. Right. I was just at an event where uh, somebody was talking about her radio ad. Uh, All she does during the radio ad is just talk about the former president. And what, you know, when, when we poll this, we find that if you ask people what is the most important issue to you to decide your vote for governor, somewhere between zero and one percent <laughs> are making their decision based off of, you know, of former President Trump or, you know, listen, it's it was wild, like, right? I mean, it's like she yeah. didn't get the memo. The rest of the Democrats panicked a couple of weeks ago, right? When they figured out that they can't run on Jan 6 and abortion for five straight months, they had to actually talk about uh, the economic issues and the, the way of like crime, you know, border security, things like that. They all sort of like, oh, crap. And they just put together this like last minute, terrible economic messaging. Somehow that never made it to Hochul's desk whatsoever because she hasn't even attempted it. No, I'm last week we were at a debate and they're asking question after question after question about crime. And I point out like, listen, we are almost halfway through this debate we're basically done with our conversation about crime and you still haven't spoken about the whole locking up the criminal part of fighting crime. Now she could have taken that as a hint. Oh yeah. Light bulb goes off. And then she says something that that connects with people who care about that aspect of this issue. But instead she says that she doesn't understand why this is so important to me. And when she says that she doesn't understand why locking up bad guys is so important to me, She's saying that she doesn't understand why it's so important to everyone else out there who feels the same way that I do. So then she goes on to MSNBC this last weekend. She's on with with Al Sharpton. She's talking about how uh, us talking about fighting crime is a conspiracy. Us talking about rising crime is a conspiracy and that we're data deniers. Well, listen, she's that's just not going to work. People don't want to get lectured. We've been through this in the past decades ago. We had elected officials in New York who said it was just a perception, look away, there's nothing to see here. And if you look year after year over year, all sorts of major crimes aren't just up. I mean, we're talking about up over 30, 40 yeah. plus percent. Yeah. Well, I mean, just look at the, all the people who moved out of the city as a result of it, right? I mean, people felt unsafe. That's, I mean, look, that's the one problem that Democrats have with an awful lot. It's like, don't believe your lying eyes is basically the top line talking point. How can you say that crime is not an issue when there's literally an entire city that's universally concerned about it? Right. I mean, it's not it just doesn't work. It's not it doesn't connect. Yeah. And there, and there are videos, news stories, word of mouth stories all day that people are experiencing. So what they want is for a governor to say, this is what reality is. These are my solutions to fix it. And I'll have a zero tolerance policy to crime. I will do absolutely everything in my power to stop it. But instead, they're getting lectured to. So Kathy Hochul is running this Rose Garden strategy. Uh, She's not really running much of a campaign. We're out here busting our tails to do our part to save the state. And she's crawling across the finish line trying to save Kathy Hochul. And people see right through it. Yeah, see, this is the problem with folks like like Hochul, which is... They've had this blessed political life where they've somehow figured out their way to navigate to the top of the democratic hierarchy in New York. And that's all they care about, right? Because they don't actually have to 
work to try to uh, obtain votes. They're, you know, they're sort of dismissive of everybody's point of view. They're just there. And so it should happen, right? Democrat, we have unified government. We'll always have unified government. I don't really need to listen to anybody. I'll, I'll just sit there. But somehow now, because of the unique circumstances, because of the political environment and because of the hell of a campaign that you've been running, she's got herself a real problem. Yeah. I mean, the, the race is tied. I mean, we're talking about a dead heat here. Uh, we have all the momentum. We have all of the energy. We have the issues on our side. Uh, the trend line on our side is just, you know, every single day that goes by, it gets better. Uh, we found that amongst people who have heard of both of us, we're winning. Hmm. Amongst the people who have an opinion of both of us, uh, we're winning by even more. Uh, and we're just seeing all the right trend lines there. Uh, and there's a massive enthusiasm gap. I mean, we did a uh, rally Saturday night, last Saturday night on Long Island with uh, Governor DeSantis. We started planning it the morning before. <laughs> we had over 7,000 RSVPs. Oh. Uh, we, you know, we've had a lot of uh, a lot of great events. We had Governor Yunkin in earlier this week in Westchester. Uh, the turnout at our rallies are no less than many hundreds of people, and it only goes up. And you know, there there are times we've done multiple rallies here now where we've had over a thousand people. Uh, we had one of those last night. We had one of those the day before. Uh, so the turnout is there. And people are going out and working. I mean, these aren't people who are showing up at a rally saying, all right, my, my, my job here is done. Yeah. And we're also seeing it with in-person early voting. Some of the numbers that are coming back, you know, on Staten Island, for example, this is the first time we've ever seen this. Actually, more Republicans have voted in-person early voting than Democrats. You're kidding uh, we're me. Yeah, we're seeing a massive turnout on Long Island. Wow. Suffolk and Nassau showing up. And, uh, and that's, by the way, not even counting the fact that we're going to crush the election day turnout because so many Republican voters just decide, you know what, they're old school, they're traditional, they're just going to vote on election day. But it's, you know, if for people who are out there who want to vote now, when you vote in person, early voting, it's on the same machine that you do on election day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, look, it's important. It's important that we figure out how to facilitate anybody and everybody who can get to the polls. I mean, this is going to be razor thin. Democrats aren't giving away New York at any point. But I got to tell you, I talked to uh, some folks at the RGA. Boy, are they excited. This is this is one that they were hopeful could be on the map. But all of a sudden, this is a, just a ton of enthusiasm. You can see it nationwide as people get fixated on your race. But it hasn't been easy. One of the things I admire most about your candidacy is not only the political courage that it takes to get into a race where all the odds are stacked against you, there's actual courage. You've dealt with some really unbelievable stuff this, this cycle with some guy coming at you with a knife. You had gunshots outside your house. That's got to be a little rattling. Yeah, it was just a few weekends ago. My 16-year-old daughters are at a kitchen table doing homework on a quiet Sunday afternoon, and there was a drive-by gang shooting on my front yard. God, it's just uh, wild. We had one of the bullets landed about 30 feet from where my daughters were. Uh, there were two people shot laying down on the ground about 10 feet from where they were. You know, while I wish that neither of them were home, the good news was at least both of them were home. They had each other. Uh, that would have really freaked them out if it was oh, yeah. uh, just one. It was traumatizing enough uh, with both of them being there together. When they heard the screaming, they actually thought that those people were coming after them. 
Oof. And listen, for a lot of New Yorkers out there, they, they realize I, as a four-term member of Congress, candidate for governor, having this happen on my front yard, yeah. this can happen to anybody. Yeah. You know what happened July 21st? We're giving a rally speech and someone came up on, on stage. He had this uh, weapon in his hand similar to brass knuckles with a couple of you know sharp-like, dagger-like edges to it. Uh, and he ended up getting detained, interestingly enough, because we've been out here talking about how we need to overhaul cashless bail. He was released within hours. I mean, what a perfect example of the two things you've been talking about, right? And they actually happened personally to you and your family. And, and, and then somehow Governor Hochul is saying, like, crime doesn't matter. Yeah. And you know what? There are a lot of people who have personal stories right now. Yeah. Uh, people, you know, friends, family, maybe it happened to you. Uh, and now it's, you know, it's different than the eighties because now you have cell phone uh, footage and you yeah, have right. social media. So people are able to see with their own eyes, crime after crime, after crime, when someone gets pushed in front of an oncoming subway car, they don't have to listen to the nightly news to hear some reporter's version of what a witness had told them you could just watch that person have getting thrown off of the subway platform uh, and, you know, Green Goblin Gang taking an axe out of your backpack and swinging it at a McDonald's at tables and walls and customers. Uh, you know, th there's so many different stories that have now played out in front of everyone's own eyes. So they really don't want to get lectured that this is just a perception. No kidding. Well, you know, look, I, I listened, I watched your debate and you absolutely mopped the floor with her. But I thought that whole thing, what you just laid out was a perfect another example, right? To the extent that crime exists in Governor Hochul's eyes, it's it's exclusively because the federal government hasn't banned guns, right? I mean, that's like her 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 whole point of view. And you're like, well, what about you know the subway or like the axe wielding or that horrible knife attack uh, on a on a first responder? I mean, all that's you don't ban it. I mean, I like this lady is unbelievably out of touch. Yeah, I mean, it's a really important point. Uh, she wants to make it out like all the crimes that are being committed are crimes that are committed with guns, but people getting pushed in front of an oncoming subway car, they're getting stabbed, they're getting punched. Uh, you own a small business and you have people who are coming in and just taking inventory, walking out without consequences. There are so many different crimes that are being committed that have nothing at all to do with guns. And then when you are dealing with the gun crime, instead of her saying, okay, we have this issue with illegal firearms where criminals are committing crime after crime after crime, and they're still out on the street. What are we doing wrong? Instead, they want to talk about the other group. They want to put together proposals that target the group of law-abiding New Yorkers who want to safely and securely carry a firearm solely for self-defense. Right. Uh, we just had saw an arrest this week uh, with, the, with the case of somebody who had opened fire on my front yard, uh, and they secured the same gun that was used in the shooting. Now, I don't know how they obtained that, that firearm. Uh, but when a few weeks ago, Kathy Hochul was saying that America Express, MasterCard and Visa should flag all attempted purchases of firearms as suspicious, I can tell you that the firearm used for that gang related drive by shooting at my house was not started with a swipe of an American Express card. You don't think that was logged strategically and uh, and used like a like a formal financial transaction? <laughs> yeah, there is a. I, I I could say even before they uh, that they found the gun, I said out of the gate, there's a zero percent chance that this started as a transaction where someone took their American Express card out of their wallet and said, "Yeah, I'll purchase that." 
Oh man, it's just so unbelievably out of touch. I want to talk about how you got into this in the first place, right? Because you're, you're a relatively young guy and you've been a part of the political scene. Obviously, I'm well aware of, of what you were up to as a congressman. But what, what do you always grow up political or is this something that just over time you became more interested in and, and public service was sort of a draw? So when I was in uh, 10th grade, I joined a uh, program in school called Youth in Government. Uh, I joined to pick up girls, to be honest with you. <laughs> uh, good reason is any. Yeah. Listen, I was in 10th grade. I, so at the towards the end of the year, uh, we go up to Albany. We actually like introduce bills and we debate it in the chamber, the state assembly and state senate. Uh, and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really cool. I got fascinated with how bills become law. Uh, and I ended up uh, having an interest in politics I got involved briefly when I went off to college, uh, but then I actually got really turned off by it mm-hmm. and I, I didn't want to have anything to do with it. So I just focused on military, uh, which is something that I wanted to do long before I joined that youth and government program in the 10th grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I got to college, the only thing that I knew was that I wanted to find the ROTC unit so that I could sign up right away. Uh, and I was planning on making the military a career. Uh, but you know, when my daughters were born 14 and a half weeks early, they were less than a pound and a half, uh, three and a half months in the NICU. They both came home with heart monitors, a uh, dozen medications each. Both of them had lung surgery, intestinal surgery. Michaela had brain surgery. Oof. They went through a lot and priorities in life changed. And I ended up joining the reserve and it was just something just went off like that, that spark, uh, wanting to serve. I, I went from wanting, you know, being in uniform full-time to now only being in uniform for one weekend a month. And that just wasn't good enough. And I, I wanted to find another way to serve and, and something sparked in me to go run for office. Well, you can feel it. It's contagious with you. And I know there's a millions of New Yorkers that are feeling it right now. People forget, look, New York, it's not just New York City, right? Upstate. I got to imagine they're crawling hand over fist to vote for you. We're getting really good support from all throughout the state. The key is inside of New York City, we have to get at least 30% of the vote. There you go. Um, If we get less than 30% of the vote, we have no chance of winning. If we get 35% or more inside of New York City, it starts to become very unlikely that we lose. And each additional point that you get inside of New York City, it starts to become more and more unlikely. So, you know, well, the Quinnipiac poll said that we were at 37% in New York City. If we get 37% of the vote in New York City, it's over. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're getting, we're going to crush it on Long Island. Uh, we're crushing it upstate. Uh, we'll be all over the Hudson Valley here in the next few days as we uh, battle out, but we're, we're winning the Hudson Valley. Uh, so the key is, and we've seen a poll after poll after poll has us in the 30s uh, in New York City. If we're able to get 35% or more, we're really happy with where we are. Uh, it's great. Well, you told me before we came on that you secured a very important New York City endorsement that's probably indicative of a, of a, of a red wave. What, 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 what do you got for us? Yeah, I mean, as far as Hochul's campaign, once I say this here, I, I just think it's over. <laughs> um, this is a it's, it's a very prominent figure here uh, in the New York life, uh, maybe larger than life. Yes, uh, he uh, he's known by uh, not even by, uh, you know, they, when you become important like Prince or Madonna, you don't even have a last name. <laughs> he doesn't even have to use a first name. He's just known as the naked cowboy of Times Square. 
That is exactly right. And if you've ever been to New York, you've taken notice. He, uh, he, his uh, guitar is now a Zeldin for Governor guitar. Yes. He's come up with original Zeldin for Governor music. So when you, if you go to Times Square, he is singing songs to you about why uh, we need to win this race. So with all the traffic in Times Square, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's over. Maybe I think all this that- other conversation we're having is for not, maybe we should have just started and ended the interview with just mentioning that the naked cowboy now endorses me. It's over. Yeah. I feel like everybody was like, Oh, okay. That's basically all I needed to know. I appreciate it. Right. It's good. Ballots yeah. going in. <laughs> yeah. People have just been going through the last you know year and a half of this campaign. Just wondering like, who's the naked cowboy going to endorse? And <laughs> this They're is like, our, this is our, uh, there are October surprises. This is our November surprise. Yeah. Well, that is a surprise. I'm glad to hear it. And it's nice to know the naked cowboy is a real patriot too. I, I, you know, I suspected as much. Yeah, no, he's, uh, you know, it's interesting because in his song, uh, he actually gets into a lot of the different issues. Really? He is explaining in his song, the reasons why he does not support Kathy Hochul and supports us. Uh, he's, he's a he's well-read naked cowboy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, he's like going into the substance and the policy of, of what we need to do to fight crime and make life in New York more affordable and respecting freedom and improving the quality of education. In our schools like pretty good. I mean, yeah, what a it perfect, was, perfect example of sometimes there's more than meets the eye. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, you know, and, and we've gotten, uh, you know, we've got a lot of support inside of the city from uh, Democrat elected officials, Democrat, former elected officials, Democrat community leaders. Uh, it's really coming from people of all walks of life. Uh, so, you know, the support that's coming in is uh, from people who say they're lifelong Democrat. They've always voted Democrat, but this year they're voting for us. Uh, we've seen to hear a, a big rise of support uh, inside the Orthodox Jewish community, inside of the Hispanic community, especially the, the Dominican vote and some other aspects of the, the Hispanic community, the Asian community. We're going to do better with the black community. Uh, and we, we just need to figure out how to get presidential level turnouts in some of these election districts that if you don't push hard, you just end up with traditional midterm turnout. Yeah. So it's good that we have the enthusiasm gap. Uh, but we just have to work really hard these final few days, close, strong. And then there will be a concession speech being delivered by soon to be former uh, governor, Kathy Hochul. Uh, we will save our state. And I I already have people telling me, people who have left the state, telling me that they're coming back. There's someone who left New York who says that this weekend, he, he's not even waiting until after Tuesday. He said this weekend He's coming back looking at, at property because he's so convinced that we're going to win and he can't wait to move back to New York. And this is a really successful guy who has a big family uh, outside of the state, but he has a couple of kids who are now starting their family in New York and he wants to come home. It's just really cool to oh, see awesome. the, the energy. Yeah. That, that, you know, no, we're getting great. a lot of personal stories like that. And other people tell me, Lee, if you don't win, I'm leaving. Yeah, And uh, you can tell that this is a really personal race for a lot of New Yorkers. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, just anecdotally myself, I know three different people who have said similar or exactly the same thing that you just uh, relayed from the stories that you heard. So listen, I got to get you out of here and get back to work, but I got three big questions for you first. First one is your last meal on earth. If you can plan it, what would it be? Well, I'm going to give a shout out to uh, my friend Donato Panico. Uh, Panico is Delhi Market. He was uh, helping to feed uh, all the 9-11 first responders. Um, you know, he was 
and he's about an hour out of the city, but he kept uh, sending those heroes over. He started a foundation called uh, Heroes for Our Heroes. And he has a sandwich that I like so much. He now calls it the governor. And it's a it's a chicken parma. Uh, it's a chicken oh, yeah. cutlet. Uh, but he uses fresh mozzarella uh, with vodka. It's a vodka sauce with his special recipe. So oh. if, uh, if you ever take a field trip out to Smithtown, uh, go in there and tell tell Donato uh, that I said that you only have one choice on that on that menu to get the governor. I love it. So what, once you're governor, I'm going up there and I'm getting a governor. No question about it. I love yes, it. Yes, I'm joining <laughs> you. I, I'm like, I can't wait. I want to go do that like right now. <laughs> that sounds like a good choice. All right. So second question, if you never got into politics at all, right? No public service. You have a blue sky in front of you. You could do anything with your life. And I mean, this is really a blue sky answer. You can say anything. What would it be? It's military. I, I mean, I'm I'm one of those guys you'd have you, you are going you you would have to kick out of the military. I I mean, <laughs> priorities in life changed when my uh, when my daughters were born early, um, but you know I I switched over to the reserve. I still serve today. I'm in my 20th year right now. Um, it is you know it's always been Plan A for me, and it uh, it's still something that I just I, I'm consumed not just with pride. Uh, but also, I know that I would be filled with a ton of regret if I didn't go down this path. Ah, that's I can see it. I can see it. That makes a ton of sense. Authentic answers is what we look for here on the Variety Program. All right. So the third one, I got to explain a little bit. We're, we're, our view is that every successful person is motivated sort of by one of two things, the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat. Obviously, nobody likes losing. Nobody hates winning. So that's not what it is. It's what motivates you. The optimist is basically, you know, somebody who's constantly motivated, kind of a glass half full. They're self-motivated to get to the next goal, charging up the hill. The agony defeat person, every success they've ever had in life lasts like one second. Like they don't even appreciate it, right? But every setback they've ever had, they wear like a backpack. And it becomes that drive and that motivation to to work that much harder to ensure that they never have another setback again, right? Where do you find yourself on this spectrum? I don't even think about losing, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm somebody, I did cross country when I was in se- a senior in high school. Uh, and I was always a, a, a good shorter distance runner, uh, the longer distance, a little bit, uh, a little bit tougher. And, you know, but I was uh, mo- always motivating myself. Like the harder you work in your training today, the easier that next run is. Uh, I, I'm just somebody who wants to get as much possibly accomplished today. And I, and I think that tomorrow is just maybe a little bit easier. Uh, I don't like procrastinating. I, I like to plan. Uh, I like to, you know, have a, a healthy amount of uh, ability to be spontaneous, flexibility to adapt, adapt to changing circumstances. But as I'm focused on what's in front of me, it's about winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and for me in this race, I mean, we we say it on the trail. Uh, it's something that we live by. It's something we believe deeply. Losing is not an option. We don't even think about it. Yep. Yep. Well said. Listen, Lee, for all of our listeners who want to help you out here in the final week, where do they go? Yeah, so go to zeldinfornewyork.com. It's all spelled out, Z-E-L-D-I-N-F-O-R, newyork.com. Uh, you could sign up to volunteer. You could donate $5. You could follow us on social media. Uh, whether you are able to show up for in-person early voting, maybe you don't live in the state, but you can call friends and family you know who do live in New York, encourage them to get involved. Uh, we need everybody to do everything in their power everywhere, taking nothing for granted. And then 
we are able to guarantee that we definitely win on Tuesday. If we are able to get everyone doing their part, there's no way we lose this race. I love it. You're running an inspiring race. You're a hell of a guy. New York could do nothing better for itself than elect you governor. Lee Zeldin, thanks for joining the program. Thank you. It's great to be with you. What a personality on that guy. And to be honest, I mean, he'd be a real breath of fresh air. The current governor, she just sucks. Yeah, I mean, terrible. He also invited us up to have his last meal on Earth, which will not be his last meal on Earth, but the sandwich that he wants it to be, uh, the governor at his favorite sandwich shop, should he win. We're going to take him up on that. That would be great. 100%. Love to go to Albany for that. We're gonna take we're gonna take him up on that. So anyway, uh, fellas, I think we did it. Absolute banger of an episode, gentlemen. Thank you so much to our listeners again. I cannot reiterate enough. The red wave is not something that's happening; it's something we're doing. If your state's already voting, go vote. Get a friend, make a plan to vote. Let's make it happen. So until next time, minions, keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. We'll see you on Tuesday. Stay ruthless.